Hi guys, and welcome back to the You Don't Wanna Know, the podcast. Thanks for coming by. Hope you missed me, because I missed you guys. Sorry, I feel really bubbly today. I was working with some first graders, so always really fun. Gotta stay high energy. I don't know if I sound any different to you guys. Maybe if I come a little closer and whisper in your ear. I have a new microphone and a new set of headphones for Christmas that I got for Christmas. Really cool, really expensive. Hopefully you guys can hear the difference. If you can't, you have low taste and can't tell when there's a good thing right in front of you because hello, here it is. (laughs) I hope you guys enjoy the sound quality because this is a pretty good chunk of change someone spent on me. So hopefully it works. I have no idea how to work half this stuff. I am so technologically impaired. It's pretty freaking pathetic. Like I manage to squeak by when I'm with like older people who really don't know. So like people that are just now getting on Facebook, like I look like a genius to them. But people that are my age, I'm just so far back, like lightning, lightning, light years back. So this is me trying or pretending whichever one is fine also fun thing i got for christmas shout out to my brother my literal brother older brother thanks bro love ya he got me like a makeup bag that says evidence file this is what it sounds like also this mic picks up everything so i have to be very still but it's so fun oh my gosh he also got me um that murder Hmm. Catch a catch a killer, I think. Hunt a killer. Hunt a killer. Got it. Not a sponsor. Uh so very excited to do that. Unfortunate, I do not have a lot of friends. <laughs> and it seems like a group kind of thing. So I need to gather my family <laughs> to play with me. So I'll get it done eventually, but it might take a while. Um, what else did I get for Christmas? Probably other things. Um oh, and really cool thing that you guys will like too is I got a calendar for murder facts so every day it's a new fact about murder that'll scare you and not make you want to go out that day super fun um I was sitting next to my grandpa when I was opening all this stuff and it was like evidence bag hazardous stuff blah 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 hunt a killer and then the true crime calendar and my grandpa's like oh let me let me get a look at that oh that's really interesting. I'm like, Grandpa, don't look at it. Don't look at it. It was just really funny. Then on my boyfriend's family side, they got me a lot of great stuff. Like they just nailed me on the head. I got Bubbler, the drink that makes me burpy. If you don't remember, a Bubbler sweatshirt. That's blue because blue is my favorite color. So that's great. Bubbler socks, Bubbler sunglasses. I got the office pajama pants that are as soft as a baby's butt. I also got... um. The Office Days of Christmas socks, I think is what it's called. So I have 12 different office socks. So that's super fun. Yeah. So, oh, and then I got like some cool Bible journal stuff. So it is just a great Christmas all around. I really feel like everyone nailed me. It's The Office, it's Bubbler, and it's True Crime. Like just perfect. Absolutely perfect. So I will start this podcast off with a true crime fact for our calendar, which I do not have. Pause for one moment. And I'm back. So 
we're starting a little into the season. So we're a little behind. It's January 1st, Sunday, 2023. So it says in the, on the title, Beware As You Tear, which I love. Okay, here we go. Husband cheats with wife? Question mark. It doesn't say a question mark, but I, I read it as a question because cheats with wife. Okay, let's go. Let's find out. In January 2021, a woman in Mexico flew into a violent rage when she found pictures on her husband's phone of him having sex with the woman. She attacked him with a knife, stabbing him several times in the arm. I think I know what's going to happen. In the arms and legs before he was able to explain to the woman that it was her. Guessed it at the end. It's like one of those, um, what is it? M. Night Shyamalan where it's like crazy ending. It was her the whole time. Uh, where was I? The pictures were taken when the two were younger and uh, younger teenagers before they were married and when the woman did not recognize herself. Thinner. She was thinner. She made herself up. The police arrested the woman after responding to the neighbor's report and she was charged with domestic violence. The husband did not sustain any serious physical injuries. The wife faced domestic violent charges. Violence charges. Sorry. Um, yeah, that's fantastic. I love it. Okay. And now the part you guys are really here for. I love it. I feel like, um, if you guys know the movie Princess Diaries, where he like pulls off the Velcro and he's like, oh, I love that sound. And it's like, that's really not a sound that's super great. Like, it's not a bad sound. And you know what? If you like it, you know what? You guys go ahead and you like it. But it's just like a hmm, whatever sound. But that sound, that ripping was like perf. Okay. Now to the next topic. Uh, movies that you should watch is, drum roll, Avatar. I thought Avatar was a good movie. I'm not going to say that it is the level of Avatar 1 because I don't think it's possible at this point to match that intensity of Avatar 1, but I did like it. I did. And I would most definitely recommend watching it because it's still really cool. And when I watched, so I watched that movie, it's three hours long, by the way, but it's really cool because it's one of those movies you don't realize it's like a long movie. It's worth it. I felt the same way about uh, Dr. Sleep though. So if watch that one first, okay, because I loved that movie. Uh, so about Avatar, the effects were really cool. I felt like it matched the level of the first movie, but then I rewatched the first movie and I'm like, oh my gosh, the, the second movie is way better, which like it makes sense. But I thought the first one was so cool when it happened. So it just shows that like technology is advancing so quickly. Then I was looking up the character grace i believe her name was she was like the scientist with the red hair i felt like she was in another movie or something i do this all the time so i looked up the cast of avatar and then i looked up grace maybe i don't know exactly how i got there i thought this is how i got there but this doesn't make sense now either way i looked up something to do with avatar and movies that are two that this person is a part of showed up and it was Avatar 3 and Avatar 5. Avatar 3 is coming out in 2024 or 25. I think it's 2025. And Avatar 5 is coming out in 2028. So they're skipping Avatar 4 altogether because nobody likes 4, I guess. I guess. But yeah, so I just love that they're already predicting the future. Super fun. But definitely recommend. 10 out of 10. Recommend that. Super great. 
Also, um, Yellowstone, I can't get enough of it. I'm on season four and I was screaming like 13 minutes into the season. So I don't know why I slept on it so long and I'm so sorry about that, but I'm here to stay, guys. I am here to stay. Now, the part that we're all here for, and I'm like so pumped about this episode, guys, let's get uncomfortable and talk about cults. Ah! I'm pumped. Sorry I yelled into the mic, but I'm just so pumped. We are talking about the Church of the Lamb of God cults. I find cults so interesting and disgusting at the same time, but interesting nonetheless. They just blow my mind how they can brainwash people. And it, it's it's very simple. The logic is very simple. It's narcissists, narcissists, narcissistic people who are the leaders and they prey on these people. And I can't remember what type of person it is. It's not a bad, bad person. And by any means, this is not just, sorry, this does not make you a bad person, but some people are more vulnerable to people like that. The narcissists go for people who aren't as strong-willed. They're more pleasing. They want to please people, you know? So they find these people, they latch on, they make them feel special and they want to gain their trust and then brainwash them to get them to do whatever they want. And that's a cult. It's crazy. It really is. So when I was in high school, I don't know if I told this story already, but here we go. When I was in high school, I was in an English class. <laughs> this story just makes me laugh every time. Sorry. That was a creepy laugh. But I, my senior year was wild, guys. Like I was just wild. Nobody, <laughs> like I was just so weird. So I was in an English writing class. It was technically like English composition, I think. I don't really know. It wasn't that. That's freshman. I don't know. I'm dating myself. I was in an English class and it was like college level or something. And we had to write like a 12 page paper. Ridiculous. But I did it. And I was like, what is a good subject to write about that I can just go on for days and days? And I was like, you know what? Cults. So I, I labeled the title, A Good Leader. Not in the sense of like, good, you're doing a good job. It was like the characteristics that make someone a good leader. And in my eyes, a leader is someone multiple people follow. Not in the sense of like good or bad, like morality wise, but like someone who gets people to follow them. And cult leaders are that. And technically, cults are not specifically a bad thing, but they're associated with bad things. And I will give this to, oh, what's it, uh, last podcast on the left. They were doing an episode. And I was listening to it. Obviously, I was listening to it. They were like, a lot of people associate cults with just these, these bad things. What's the difference between like a church and a cult? And essentially, every group or organized group with a collective thought is a cult. But what people associate with cults the name cult, the definition that they give is way different. So a church is a group of people who have very similar ideals, but God in heaven is what they put first. God in heaven has all the power. And then you have a cult. A cult, same as uh, Christianity, have a collective thought, but this is the big difference. A cult has a leader on earth who is first. So like Jonestown. David Jones. Um, what is the one? The uh, Marshall Applewood, that guy, he was in a cult. I don't remember the name of his cult. Um, then obviously Charlie Manson. So there was just, that's, that's a cult. 
So that's what people think of cults. And I really like that. So shout out to um, last podcast on the left. I hope I don't get in trouble for saying their name. I'm so sorry. Please don't hurt me. Uh, But yeah, so that's cult. That's what people think of cults. But in reality, cults aren't necessarily a bad thing because they're just really a group of people. But when it gets crazy and people start killing people, that's not great. Don't be a part of that or don't do like a suicide cult. So that is my advice. If you take anything out of this episode, take that. Make that your 2023 resolution. Do not join a cult and commit suicide or murder. All around, don't do it. Not worth it. 10 out of 10. Don't recommend. 2023, guys. Let's make it a great year. Man, I still think it's 2020. I don't know where my head's at. Okay, so I know you guys are dying to know what cult I looked... Oh, no, I, t- I told you guys already. Never mind. Psych. The Church of the Lamb of God. So here we go. Let's jump in. Let's get uncomfortable. So the Church of the Lamb of God is a fundamentalist Mormon group, which basically means that they take everything from the Bible as literal as possible, and they practice polygamy. And if you didn't know, polygamy is when you have multiple partners. LDS, which so that that is FLDS, Fundamentalist Latter-day Saints. LDS is just Latter-day Saints. That is, uh, Latter-day Saints is different from Christianity altogether because they don't believe in the Holy Trinity. And the Holy Trinity is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They're the same. They're three in one. Um, the way I believe it is altogether, the three beings make God, one God. So it, they're still separate things. LDS believe that God the Father is the greatest. So, in case you were wondering, now you know. So, to understand polygamy in LDS, Latter-day Saints, here it is. Now, I get, I got a little confused in my research. I saw John Smith and I saw Joseph Smith. So, either way, someone with the last name Smith, so Mr. Smith, in the summer of 1831, claimed to have visions from God because he was confused. There are multiple different branches of Christianity and he didn't know what to do. So he prayed and asked God to show him what he was supposed to do. And God was like, don't do any of the religions that you see around here. Make your own. And you know what? You're going to have so many wives. It, they're just going to be falling out of your pocket. You're going to have so many wives. Specifically, you need to have at least three. Otherwise, if you don't have three, you're not going to get to the level in heaven that's like amazing. You got to get to there. So have three wives. So polygamy became known as plural marriage, which sounds a lot better. And I know polygamy is starting to vamp up now. I don't understand it in all honesty, because like I get so jealous. (laughs) I could not do it. No. But back to Joseph or John, Mr. Smith. He brought this into the doctrine and the covenant of the LDS church. And it's just so confusing. I'm not Mormon. I don't know anything about it. So I don't know. It first just said that like he had the vision. So he introduced it to him. But then it said it was the, he was a father of Mormonism. I'm, I am confusion when it comes to this. I did my best. But so like I said, he like planted it in there, like a little sprinkle, the, um, the polygamy, but he didn't teach it to anyone for a long time and only did it to like a small amount of leaders in that church. So it just, it never like became a huge thing for a long time. Like he just really didn't want to talk about it, I guess. I don't know. 
maybe it was just because it was so different from what they normally did. Polygamy was official around 1840 and in 1852, Brigham Young, he was a leader of LDS at the time, which also makes me think that like, he couldn't, he couldn't have done it because why would um, Joseph Smith, John Smith, Mr. Smith start Mormonism and then assign someone else to be the head? I don't know, confused. But either way, Brigham Young, the leader of LDS at the time, acknowledged the practice of plural marriage. In 1890, polygamy was suspended. So not a long reign, but decent amount. People were already practicing and they didn't want to stop, which like, I, I make sense. Like you're married to a couple people, like you don't want to stop. So they did not stop. The people that were already married, they didn't like cut it off and be like, you're my favorite. You stay. Other one go. They just kept going until they died. But the people that had like been brought up to think that that was what they were going to do, they accepted the fact that it was gone, but they believed that it was coming back once God brought it back or whatever, big eye roll, whatever. In 1910, so I was saying 18, I hope I was saying 18, so it was, in, that was the 1800s. In 1910, LDS started actually excommunicating members who still practiced poly- polygamy. Then along came Alma Dreyer Le, uh, LeBaron. He was a polygamist. I think he, had, yeah, he had two wives and eight kids. He wrote, relocated to northern Mexico while still being LDS, but he added the F in there because he's got two wives. Wink, wink. Sorry, bad joke. FLDS. So fundamentalist Latter-day Saints. So polygamy. That's the only difference. So he moved to northern Mexico in order to continue his polygamous relationship with his two wives and have eight kids. They started a farm and named it Colonia LeBaron, which colony LeBaron I'm assuming I didn't actually look it up I didn't think I need to but I hope it's not one of those like wow you're an idiot that's not what that means thing so find out or I won't I hope I don't please don't be mean to me (laughs) sorry um it was in Galena Chihuahua so that's a place they were forced or sorry forced they focused on like heavenly visions which came comes into play later but they were just like listening to their father who was like, oh, I'm getting something. Listen to me. Go do your homework. That kind of thing. I don't know if that's actually what happened, but that's kind of their main focus was just listening to people who they thought were coming from like God's messengers. God was speaking to them directly. In 1985, Alma passed away and his oldest son, Joel, took over. And Joel actually moved the group to first of the or excuse me, first. I am making a lot of mistakes in this episode. I am so sorry. Church of the Firstborn in the Fulfillness of Times. Every name is a nightmare. I just want to let you know. They're all just ridiculously long. Like it's almost like they were, they wanted to be firstborn in the fulfillness, but that was already taken. So they added Church of and of Times in order to have that name. So they, they moved on to that church, which is still a Mormon church. FLDS and it's in Salt Lake City in 1963. So they left northern Mexico. It was a safe place for men who basically wanted to get around the polygamous relationships to happen, like a safe place because polygamy still happens. This is still a thing that like people 
believe it as their religion and they have to be quiet about it because it's not legal, like at all. So here we go. The group got to be uh, over 200 people in that church uh, that with Joel and Irville, who is a very interesting character, his younger brother was the right hand man of Joel. This dude had 13 wives and one source said he had 25 kids, only one. A lot of other sources said he had had at least 50. And then one interview said he had 51 specifically. So whichever one you choose is still insane. (laughs) Might have to start calling him. What's that guy? Um, Nick, 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 something. You know who I'm talking about. Not Nicolas Cage, which love Nicolas Cage. Nick Cannon. Ha! Got it on my own. Thank you. I heard you guys. If anyone's listening to this and screaming it, I heard you. Thank you. So, like I said, 13 wives. That is so much. Ervil was eventually kicked out in 1970. I'm guessing, they didn't say specifically, but I'm guessing it's just because he was like power hungry. He didn't want to listen to his brother and he wanted to be in charge. So, some people are just like that. So, they just start cults. That's just how it goes. That's why there's so many cults. JK. He started the Church of the Lamb of God, which is the topic of today, and claimed leadership over all polygamous FLDS groups, which I guess that's kind of rhetorical because polygamous and FLDS. But either way, he legitimately claimed leadership over every single FLDS group, even though he didn't know them. He was like, FLDS, FLDS, FLDS. Okay, give me money, essentially. This is where he gets the nickname Mormon Manson because he was just the puppet master. He was whispering in everyone's ears, telling them what to do and having them go and do what they had to do. Murder, essentially. Not what they had to do, what he told them to do, really. So that's where it starts. His group was very controversial because they claimed to be LDS, which a lot of more uh, polygamous relationship or polygamous groups do. But the church had excommunicated them because of the polygamy. Because that's what they do. I told you guys, that's what they do. And the government actually doesn't re- didn't recognize them as a church either. The Church of the Lamb of God specifically. He was the leader of the Church of the Lamb of God. He had appointed himself that. His title was, and I quote, the one mighty and strong. And that's that position is comparable to the Pope's position in this specific cult, the uh, Church of the Lamb of God. He's like in Catholicism, the Pope. That's the comparison. He was essentially what he described as God's representative to or on earth, I should say. So he was just all that and a bag of chips, which is my favorite saying. Great. He started to get followers, aside from the ones he was making, if you know what I mean. 13 wives, wink, wink. And they were hanging on to his every single word because he knew how to act, how to pull people in, how to find the more vulnerable people, vulnerable people, you know. So it was just who he was. He just knew how to do this. He taught all of his followers that he was the one one true prophet on earth and to live in awe of the prophet essentially so he would be like we have to follow the prophet the one true prophet oh by the way that's me crazy 
I know I didn't plan this. So just ridiculous. Eventually he decided that his brother could no longer live because he was living against him. And he, he, his brother had an FLDS church or I don't even like calling it a church group. So that just wouldn't work. He wasn't following his brother. He didn't believe that his brother was like the leader of all the FLDS churches, groups, whatever. So he had to go. He sent out two of his followers to do the job and they beat him to death, killing his brother Joel in 1972. So how you can do that to your own flesh and blood is beyond me. And you may think, why would a follower of God kill? Why would these people who think Joel is from God the Father kill? Let me tell you something. There's this little thing called blood atoning, and I will get to that later, but just keep that in mind. He never did any of the work when it came to the dirty stuff. He would just order other people to do it, like Manson. So that's where it comes. Manson Mormon. Mormon Manson, whichever one. He got so elaborate with these crimes that he would literally add makeup and wigs and costumes, and he would even have a backup person. So essentially, this is just theater to him. He has a makeup room, costumes, and then he has an understudy in case something happens to the main person, which is horrible. Like, I don't know why he had so much hatred that he just had to kill these people, but that's just what he did. He ends up spreading out his wives, his 17 wives, throughout multiple different homes. And like I said, he just had so many kids. It was his family's job, he would tell them, to build the house of God on the earth or on the kingdom. Oh my gosh, let me try that again. Sorry. It was the kids and the wives' job to build the house of God on the kingdom of earth. So basically like making the holy dwelling place. That's what he's telling them. So they got to fill it up somehow. Might as well have kids and fill it up. His children had to stay separate from other children. They could still go to school, but they really weren't supposed to hang out with other people. Maybe another reason why he had so many kids. They had to be in like the same grade so they wouldn't talk to anyone else. But he would say that other people were just evil. They were from the devil. They were the devil's workers. So that's why they couldn't really hang out with anyone. They couldn't watch TV. They couldn't really look at the magazines. They couldn't do anything. He told his family, or I'm sorry, I should say the people he gave his DNA to because they are not his family, the way he uh, talks to them and treats them, that they were celestial beings and they had to be separate, like clean, whatever. So his kids and his wives would, they believed him, but sometimes you would hear like stories of them like sneaking in a TV so they can watch here and there, just things like that. So... I don't know if they just like believed so much of him, but they thought he was going too far or maybe they thought they were trapped and they were just trying to make him happy. I don't know. It's pretty messed up. He also was on the run for, from the police because the police are not stupid. They know exactly what he's doing. They know that he's the one orchestrating it, but they can't like pin it on him because they can't catch him really because he's been running from the police his entire life. He, was, he grew up in northern Mexico running from the police. So he was coming and going constantly and some of his kids barely ever talked to him and they didn't even really notice because they just knew he was an important man and they thought he was just like doing the Lord's work, whatever. 
it must have slipped their minds that he was um, literally having other people murder for him. That couldn't be why the police wanted him. That's just too crazy. That's not why he's not there. Not because the police are after him, because he's having other people murder for him. Just insane. He told his wives, who told their children, he was a very important man and not to talk to the cops because they worked for the devil. And one time, one of the kids heard a knocking on the door and he let a cop in because he wasn't really thinking. And he got in so much trouble for him. He for it, he got just the actual like crap just beat out of him because that was just a big no-no. And for some reason, beating your kid like an inch from their life is okay in this cult. Another thing that like just blows my mind, how could you have a child? Oh, I didn't want to talk about it. It makes me sick, but it's just you just want to protect them, you know? It's just, it's so hard. So they had a few rules. One, don't let the cops in. Two, if you are just the worst person in the world, there's no saving you. You just have to die. And that is where blood atoning comes in. So Jesus died to save us from our sins. And this man would say that some people were just too far gone. They were just horrible, horrible, horrible people. And Jesus Jesus's blood isn't enough to save you from the sins. So you just needed to die right now, but you would go to heaven. So this is how he described it to these people. And they wanted to go to heaven and be good uh, Mormons. So they would do it. They would literally let him kill them. Now, this isn't the case for every single person that he killed and every single person that he quote unquote did blood atonement with. But some people actually believe this and let it happen. And the people around them believed it and they let it happen. He did this to his older brother, some wives, some followers, and some people who didn't want to follow. He just didn't like them. Essentially, he did did it to anyone he just wanted to kill. And he literally just said, oh, I'm just blood. They're in heaven. I'm just blood atoning them. It's fine. We talked about this. I literally told you guys I was going to do this. I don't know why you're freaking out. So it's just, it's ridiculous. His followers believed in what he was doing and they thought he was doing good things. So they just let it happen and they followed his every word. Eventually his reign ended. Thank the Lord above because horrible man. He was arrested for the murder of his brother in uh, Mexico. He was convicted, but somehow he was released on appeals less than a year later blows my mind but somehow he did it and this really must have like flipped a switch in him really must have set him off which is how it always happens there's always something that pushes them and they just become crazy absolutely crazy so he pulled his kids out of school and took them and all the followers to a ranch so they were just completely taken away from society even more than they were before. They had no one but the group. And everyone was so afraid of him at this point because they could see the change that happened. He was just becoming unhinged. But everyone was either brainwashed into thinking this is just what we have to suffer through or they were just afraid that they were going to get killed. So there was just no way of getting out because the group had hitmen essentially. All those people that did murders were becoming hitmen. There was a rancher on that like was a part of the ranch that they were a part of. They were on. I said a part of so many times. 
and he didn't want to be a part of their group. He just was like, you know what? You guys do your ranch. I'm going to do mine. We coup. They killed him. He was shotgunned down and left in the desert because he didn't want to be a part of this group. So you you just better count your lucky stars that you don't run into him and he doesn't ask you to join his group because if the answer is no, he's just going to kill you. And if the answer is yes, he might still just kill you. It was just, he was just so evil and so full of anger at this point. Another murder happened. A member was trying to leave because he just saw how terrible this was and he actually successfully left, but he was drawn back by one of Ervil's wives, Vonda. She had asked him to fix her washing machine and then she killed him in the process. Vonda had actually given that information up at some point uh, during an extensive investigation, but they couldn't get um, any kind of evidence on Simmons' murder, so he never got justice, unfortunately. In 1980, Ervil was arrested. Cue the sound of justice, whatever that sounds like, think of it right now. So he was arrested woohoo, for the murder of a rival Mormon leader, Dr. Rulon Alred. And I could be saying that wrong. I'm sorry. Uh, he was sentenced to life in prison. And Ervil killed him just the same exact reason he killed his own brother, because he wouldn't submit or give him money. So now I want to call him the Mormon mobster, because that's what he sounds like. Mormon mobster Manson, essentially. So Ervil's in jail, right? And I'm assuming he can tell that his time is limited. His days are numbered on this earth. So he appoints his son, his oldest son, Arthur, to take over. So he still basically has a grasp, even from the grave, of these people. And he eventually did die in prison on August 15th of 1981. He had a heart attack. But of course, that is not what the believers, uh, his group, believes. They believe that one of the devil people killed him. So this almost just like fuels the fire. But before he died, he wrote a book for all of his followers. And this book was called The Book of the New Covenant. It just sounds so beautiful, right, guys? Wrong. It literally had a list of his enemies, which was essentially his hit list that he wanted people to carry out. And three of those people did get murdered. So not everyone wanted to follow Arthur. Somehow they got the book from um, Ervil in prison before he died or after he died. Who knows? But Arthur started to take his place because his father appointed him. But like I said, not everyone wanted to follow Arthur and especially one person in particular, Leo. Leo started saying things like, um, Ervil appointed me. He wanted me to be in charge, not Arthur. I'm getting visions and dreams and revelations from God saying that I'm supposed to take over this group. Arthur is unfit or he would say Arthur is not holy. So this split the group up, which like this, everything's just coming apart at this point. Leo and his followers basically came up with a plan. They approached Arthur and Leo went to shake Arthur's hand, which seems shady, but I guess I'm coming from a weird perspective. So Arthur, being the good man, shakes his hand. Leo grabs his hand, pulls him in, and the whole group of people just started beating Arthur. Somehow, Arthur manages to get away, and he's running as fast as he can. But of course, 
one of the dudes had a gun and shot Arthur. So unfortunately, Arthur lost his life that day. They loaded his body up into a car and they disposed of him. And unfortunately, this is known because one of his sisters was watching and she saw the whole thing happening, which is sad, but this one's going to hit you even harder in the gut. Most of those men were Arthur's uncle. So just no loyalty to blood, which is very clear because of Ervil's actions. I just, I have such a strong bond to my family and my family members that I can't even imagine going through something like this. It just blows my mind. Absolutely blows my mind. And then another one super fun fact about these, this killing of Arthur that's going to piss you off to no end is the fact that it didn't even matter. It literally didn't even matter because they left. They killed him for no reason. Right after they did it, they just left. And another brother was appointed. So there was legitimately no reason why that happened. And that right there is what makes me so upset. So, like I said, a new brother is appointed. His name is Herber. Heber, sorry, Heber. And he was only 19 years old. He had all this power. He saw what happened to his brother and he was absolutely terrified and he was like this is not going to happen to me i am going to survive essentially and everyone else is going to survive so that's what he's focused on was survival he got guns and he started training the people and himself on survival honestly and (laughs) how to shoot guns people just started to disappear from the group and they didn't really ask any questions the people around them because everyone was just so scared People were trying to leave, and when they were caught, they were just gone. So people just assumed the worst, because that's all they knew was truly the worst. A lot of people were getting blood atoned as well, because they were on the ranch and they didn't help Arthur, even though how how would you help him in that situation unless you had some kind of knowledge in fighting or some kind of weapon but it's just it's there's so much anger and hate on this farm that they just want to take it out and that's what what is happening just everyone's coming undone and unfortunately that's not the last we see of leo he starts to slowly come back just to remove the people that didn't follow him because other people did follow him two men in black came with guns to the ranch and basically you could just assume the worst of what was going to happen and luckily they were spotted before anything happened so the group on the ranch started to take cover and they all had guns so they basically someone fired first and I'm assuming what happened was the men weren't expecting any guns because prior to them leaving there were no guns so they just like immediately retreated after the gunfire happened, because like I said, they weren't expecting to actually have to fight. They were just expecting to kill, which is just absolutely horrible. So this caused even more paranoia in the group. They started to have someone constantly on watch, looking for people with a weapon. And they were, they were, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? 
packing. <laughs> that's not the word I'm looking for, but that's, it works. They were always packing. They were always armed. That's it. There we go. I got it. I got it. Okay. They were always armed. So while all this chaos is going on, while they're getting more and more paranoid, another leader starts to rise and take the place of Heber because Heber was caught robbing a bank in Texas and taken to jail. And this might prompt a question. I can see you guys. I can I can feel your questions and your confusion. You guys are thinking like, how did Ervil rule from jail? Why can't Heber rule from jail too? Like that makes no sense. Well, here's the logic behind it and really follow me on this one. Since Heber got caught, God didn't protect him during that robbery. It was not successful. He is obviously not the chosen one. Why Ervil didn't have that logic beats me, but that's the logic they used. And that's why another leader took the place, took his place, which was Aaron, another son of Ervil, because as I stated in the beginning, he's got quite a few to go through. And I don't know how many daughters he had, but I'm going to guess that he still has a number of sons that he can make leader. So eventually, Aaron had the idea, horrible idea, of attacking the people that split from the group. The three men, or excuse me, the four men that split the four main guys that um, attacked his brother, Arthur, excuse me. So he starts figuring it out. The names of three of the men, so obviously Leo was one of them. The other three were Edward Martson, Mar- Marston, sorry, Marston, and Mark and Dwayne Chinawith, which I feel like I should know how to say that, but I'm sorry. They're brothers, Mark and Dwayne are brothers. So these men actually were the ones that usually carried out the murders and that they turned away from the group. I'm not really sure what happened after they left, but it kind of seems like they were starting to go on the straight and narrow. And unfortunately, Mark was in his office at his job at Reliance Appliance when he was killed. Dwayne was at his auto repair shop along with his daughter when he was killed. And unfortunately, his daughter was also killed. Edward was over 200 miles away. So Dwayne and Mark were closer but Edward was over 200 miles away, and he got gunned down by his pickup truck. All of these murders happened within five minutes of each other, even though they were completely different, separate from each other. They weren't right next to each other. It's just crazy. And this is really interesting. I don't know if this actually is relevant, because you can always find, find something for that day, but the murders took place on the 144th anniversary of Joseph or John Smith, Mr. Smith, whatever, his death, who is the guy in the beginning that I was talking about. So I don't know if that was done on purpose or if that was just like a quinky dink, like, oh, whoops, this happened. I don't know. But once again, really horrible, horrible, horrible thing to do. And the fact that Jenny is Dwayne's daughter, she was eight years old and she lost her life. And the people, Aaron and the group of people that did it, not everyone, but they just kind of thought like, oh, well, she, the Lord's work. She died because like, God wanted her to die because she, we, he wanted those men to die. And since she died too, it's okay. Like blood, blood atonement, like just the sick, sick logic of it. 
These murders were deemed the four o'clock murders because that's around the time it happened. It was all at the same time. It was one of the biggest events, biggest violent acts, I believe they called it, for a uh, polyamorous group. Polygamous. Polyamorous. Where am I getting that from? From a polygamous group. Sorry, I'm like losing my mind a little bit. So, things are getting rough. They murdered those four guys and they ran. And they're on the run. Aaron is taking place or taking his stance kind of sitting down taking his dad's place in this horrible cult sounds like he's coming up with bad ideas but all the adults are kind of fleeing because they can just really see things kind of falling apart the people that are the most threatening are not a part of the group anymore so the adults just kind of start leaving but they're leaving all the kids all the kids are just kind of left on the ranch and luckily there are some older kids that are on the ranch so they can like take care of them but it's just horrible they're hiding from the police because they know they're doing stuff wrong and they're gonna get in trouble for it so the kids are basically stealing cars and selling them in mexico to make some kind of money to take care of themselves to sustain their life and the children are just so scared because they're so young and they're so innocent and they were born into this that they believe they're doing the right thing and they need to hear from God to know what the next right thing is because they think they're doing the right thing. So someone gets the idea of having a prayer circle. So this was a way to just have somebody praying every single second of the day. It was multiple people just sitting and praying because this was the only thing they knew because they were cut off from society. They couldn't go to school. They couldn't watch TV. They didn't have papers. Who knows if they had any books, honestly. So after this happened, a couple days of them just constantly praying, one of them had an idea. They thought, okay, four men attacked us. Four men were supposed to die and only three men are dead. Maybe the only reason why nothing has happened in a long time is because there's still one left, still the one that's alive. And maybe if we kill that one guy, everything will start to happen and everything will be good. So two of the daughters decided to go and kill this dude. Two of these innocent girls who just think they're doing the right thing. They legitimately think that they're doing the right thing. So they drive all the way, which is super far away, but they drive to go and basically kill him. They knock on the door and he opens it and he's just so nice to them and so pleasant to these two girls. And they just have some light chit chat, you know, and he's like, hey, do you want to come inside? And because they're freaking human, they realize that this is not something I can do. I can't just murder this guy. So they left and things just kind of started falling apart more and more and more. But this time it's a good thing because the group is falling apart and dying out, not literally dying out, but I guess the spirit of it, maybe. And one of the other sons of Earl starts to feel really guilty. And I did find his name, but there was this one source that said that they didn't want to name him to spare him. So I'm not going to give him his name, give up his name. But he, like I said, felt really guilty. And he was actually talking to a police officer. And eventually he started to feel like he really needed to just come completely clean and let him know everything that happened. So he sits down with his family members and he goes, 
guys, do you really honestly think from what we've read in the Bible that God would actually tell us to commit these murders and do all these horrible things? And for some reason, those were just earth shattering words. And everyone realized, no, what we are doing is not right. What has happened is not right. So he basically dispersed the group and he gave himself up to the police. He confessed to everything about the four o'clock murders and he got a five-year plea deal. In 1997, his brother Aaron and four other members of the group got 45 years because he confessed. In 2011, guys, 2011, very recent, well, 13 years or 12 years, but still, it's not that far away. Like 1997 is far away. Jacqueline Taurus LeBaron, who was a wife, I believe, was finally caught after being on the run for all those years. And the case of the four o'clock murders was finally closed. So she also had a part in it. When everything kind of started to separate after the um, brothers went to jail, six of the youngest members were put into foster care in Salt Lake City. But they ran away at some point. They were not there for very long. It is believed that there might be a few members left, even potentially to current day, that are hiding in Mexico. And that's where they think the kids escaped to because they were in contact with them. They can't just completely cut off the contact. And Ervil had actually said that someday they were going to return to the ranch that he had started with his family in Mexico at some point. They would return. So that's kind of where they went. And there's actually a book by Rena Chinewealths. Rena Chinewealths, I think, well, is how do you say it? Um, so just to go in a little bit further on her, so she is, I want to say the sister of Mark who was killed in the shooting. She, she was protecting one of the daughters, I think, and, um, Mark was a part of it. So just everyone's death was so impactful. And she was just greatly affected by it. Not that everyone isn't greatly affected, but she was just one of her very, very close loved ones was killed in this in the four o'clock murders. But she says in the book that the ranch is no better than basically what was going on prior to. There's just so much hatred and there's automatic weapons and it's the same militarism force, basically leadership and uh, just complete chaos and like I said, hatred. It's just horrible. So she is someone that escaped and she's actually in hiding right now. Well, I guess I don't know if it's right now, but she was in hiding for a long time. I don't know if she still is. She basically wrote the book and ran. And you may wonder like, why is she on the run? She didn't do anything wrong. It's because there's still a potential group out there. And if she is, if there is, they could find her and a blood atone her. So she has to be hiding. So it's just a a constant thought in people's heads that have left this group. Like, is there someone watching me? How many more members do they have? Do they know where I am? Just all these horrible, horrible things. And you have to think about it this way too. These people, some of them have been on the run their entire life. Others, probably most of their life. So they know how to hide from police. So this is just their normal life hiding. So it is very, very, very possible 
that there is still a couple members out there. Now, just a little interesting fact about this as well is one of the daughters had lost her mother, but like literally lost. Like she didn't know what happened to her. She, it was before all of the jail. So right after, I believe it was right after he got um, sentenced in Mexico, her, her mother just kind of vanished and she had no idea what happened. She just assumed she died. But once the cult, so this, she was like 12, I want to say, once the cult started to break up, she got free. And I think she was like 16 or 17 and she looked for her mother and she found her in a mental hospital because that's what the cult did to her. They just broke her completely. And it was really sad because her daughter didn't, or excuse me, her mother didn't even recognize her because she was just a little girl when she left and she's a full grown woman. So she lost, whoa, she lost so much time with her daughter. And it's just, it's so heartbreaking that this one evil person could take so much away from people. And there have been so many victims in this case. And in um, Rena's book, Renee, Renee, maybe? Okay, I think, I think it's Renee. Wow, I am horrible. I'm so sorry. Renee, I think, is how you say her name. You know what? I'm going to pause it and I'm going to double check. Let's pause for a brief moment. Never doubt yourself. I was right. It is Rena. Okay, great. So now back to the seriousness. There has been so many victims. There have been so many victims in this case. And in Rena's book, she lists this huge list of them. So I'm going to go through them just because their names deserve to be said. So wives, and it's, it's a little confusing because it's just kind of all over the place. So I'm going to try to do my best. But wives, Delina Saldo, yeah, Delina Salido, Mary Lou Vango, Joy Martson, Anna Mae Martston, Lorna Kleinwealth. So those people are missing, and they've been missing since 1982. Christina Jensen, Jensen, Rosemary Barlow, Linda Johnson, Deborah Batman, Vonda White, Teresa Riso, Yolanda Riso, murdered in 1983. So then we have the children of Ervil who are gone or missing. Sylvia Esther, Alice, Sarah, and Lillian. Arthur was murdered. Rebecca and Isaac, Paul and Dahlia, Mary Lou, Vega, Elsa, Jorge, these people are either, unfortunately, gone from suicide, from death, or just disappeared completely. So now there's Mary Lynn, Cecilia, Anne, Hiram, and Adine, Lorena, and Andrew, who are missing, presumed dead. So those are all still his children. And Mimi, Nathan, Teresa, Gladys, and Norma all escaped from foster care in 1989. So it is believed that there are 25 to 30, at the minimum, victims throughout this cult's history. And it was 20-ish years. All these people have been affected, have been brainwashed, have to be in a totally new state of mind in this world because one man decided to ruin everything. 
one evil man decided to take advantage of these beautiful people. And it just sickens me. It's just horrible. But hopefully everyone that was in this group can finally feel at ease and finally feel safe and not have to be on the run and just find a safe place and found their peace because I can't even imagine living a life like this. But that is the story and the information on the cult that was known as the Church of the Lamb of God. Thank you so much for listening. I hope it sounded wonderful with my new mic and headphones. I hope you guys also enjoyed this information because I loved researching it because I love learning about cults. Um, You can find me on Instagram at YDWK Podcast or on Facebook, YDWK. And then email YDWKpodcast at gmail.com. You can email me some case suggestions or some spooky stories or... Yeah, that might be it. Okay, well, say hi if you want to. But thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.